Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Scott Kaplan hanging out uh, for LZ today. Super Bowl champion, Rams on field analyst, uh, DeMarco Farr joins us now here. So, DeMarco, before we get into the Rams, um, Todd Gurley, we were just talking about him. He's coming back. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, I think this is the funniest story, but go ahead. Uh, I agree. Um, yeah, he says he's coming back to do damage in the stadium he helped build. That's right. Um, and, you know, he said some stuff about the Rams. Um, I, you know, I feel like Sean took up for him very much so that last year he was here. Like, what is your read on why he has uh, beef still? Uh, I'm not sure if it's beef um, because he finished that whole interview with, you know, he had some great times here. Uh, you know, he loved being a Ram. The last four in L.A. were great, so – uh, but, you know, I mean, I don't think Todd actually put on a hard hat and went out there and, you know, drilled in a rivet or, you know, or actually wrote a check for the stadium. But he did help put the L.A. Rams on the map. I mean, when you think about Jared Goff's rise, the, the 41 wins he has right now, and Sean McVay's rise uh, to the top of or, or to, near the top of the, the, the NFL coaching ranks, Todd Gurley's name is on every single one of those games when he was here. So, you know, I get it. Um, you know, he, he did help bring the franchise uh, back to prominence. Uh, he was the focal point. He was an MVP candidate. I get it. It's, it's going to be fun to see him back in Los Angeles wrecking shop. It's going to be weird to see him in a Falcons uniform. So, you know, I hope he tears the place up versus the Chargers. I really do. I I'm like gonna, that. I'm going to start calling SoFi Stadium going forward the house that Gurley built. That's that's what I'm going to start calling it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Stan Kroenke will have something to say about that. I bet so. Hey, but but you know what, DeMarco? I think you're right. I think that that when you really look back at the early success of the Rams offense, it was predicated on what Todd Gurley was doing at the height of his career when he was healthiest and he was at his best. And for me, this is my number one thing about the Rams going forward. The ability to run the football is absolutely critical. Two weeks ago, there's three minutes to go in the game. It's a 2020 game, and they don't run the ball at all. They punt, give it back, and lose. Whereas this past week, control the clock and and then open everything else up in the offense all because the running game works. What do you say? Oh, no doubt. I I think the run game is paramount. I think it's first and foremost. I think every... NFL head coach who has longevity appreciates the run game. I think Sean McVay has come around. I mean, even with Todd Gurley, they ran the ball quite a bit, but you know, he likes to throw it quite a bit too. So some people get, they just fall in love with the pass or they fall in love trying to win the game with the pen and they forget about the run game. I think Sean McVay is learning and I think he's learned that this year, but you know, I wish the Rams could play against Arizona's defense every week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's easier to call plays when everything is working. Um, so it'll be tougher tomorrow versus the Patriots. Bill Belichick will have something for Sean McVay, have something for this offense. He will try to stuff the run and force Jared Goff to win the game with his arm. But, yeah, man, I mean, uh, last week was the first time, and I told J.B. Long this uh, just this morning, it was the first time where I could say I'm officially over Todd Gurley because of what Cam Akers is doing. That offensive line got a hat on the hat. Uh, Cam Akers put one foot in the ground, turned up field, and drove people into the end zone. Um, so every other carry before that carry was like, wow, I wonder what Todd would have done with that. I wonder what Todd would have done with that screen. So I think Cam Akers uh, has really established himself as the lead back. I think Daryl Henderson is a guy that could be a great change of pace and also a spot starter. And uh, Malcolm Brown is just the consummate veteran. So, But I think 
Cam Akers from this point will get more carries and become the guy, and that offense will get in rhythm running the football. DeMarco Farr hanging out with us here, Rams on field analyst, Super Bowl champion uh, with the Rams. Um, how do you feel about the way the Patriots are playing with Cam Newton? Like, we asked Keyshawn earlier, and he, he gave us his thoughts on particularly the last two weeks. Like, they've been winning without him throwing for 100 yards. Like, do you believe that that is sustainable? It's quite impressive what Bill Belichick has done with Cam Newton because I thought he was done, to be honest. Uh, when you watch him throw the football even now, you can tell it's not the same, going back to his MVP years. I mean, he was never the pure pocket passer. He was a great athlete uh, that could you know, hit every throw on the field if need be. But uh, once that shoulder, he had the shoulder injury, it was never the same. Things would come out of his hand a little flatter. So I thought this New England experiment was going to be a disaster. I really did. So I think they've won four of their last five games, and he has been an absolute horse up the gut. And Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator for the Rams, uh, said something in his press conference the other day where Cam Newton is a factor in every single play in every part of the field. So he is always a threat to run the football every single time he touches it. So uh, that's something new, and that's something you have, have to account for. But the fact that Belichick can go from Brady to Cam Newton and still have success and still have his team you know, at 6-6 six and six with a chance to – uh, go over 500 if they win on Thursday, I think is very impressive. But I can't be shocked. I think he's the best coach, coach in the world. But I am surprised by how well Cam Newton is playing and how well that offense is playing with him at quarterback. Yeah, and, and think about this. Remember, Cam had COVID earlier in the year. They lost a lot of guys who opted out because of COVID. So it's not only not Tom Brady's Patriots, it's a very different Patriots team, and it's taken them through 13 weeks to play and figure out how to play. And now they're just trying to position themselves to even get back into the playoff race. So, DeMarco, one of the things I'm really looking forward to in this game, and you and I, a lot of times when we're on the field before games, we get to walk right up on top of guys, okay? And in, yeah. your, in the fact that you also played defensive line, you know, I don't know if you've ever played against a quarterback as big as Cam Newton is. And so last week uh... when, he, when he scored a touchdown... Joey yeah. Bosa was trying to smack the ball out of his hands, and I think Bosa had to look at him like, this guy's bigger than me, you know? Oh, he's and, a monster. And uh, I, the first I, I time can't I wait saw to see. Cam Newton walk by, I couldn't believe it because he walked by me in my eyesight, in my eye line, and I've got Robert Quinn, the Rams defensive end, standing there warming up. He's not the biggest guy in the world, and Cam Newton walked by and eclipsed him. And I'm like, that's the quarterback? Good God, he's huge. So, yeah, this is a different deal. Same animal or, or same guy is trying to catch uh, Kyler Murray. I mean, they're going to run the same sort of plays, except this guy isn't going to try to avoid you. He's going to run through you. So it's almost unfair for him to be having the same protections uh, that other quarterbacks get when he's attacking the line of scrimmage. So I have to wait uh, as a defender. If I'm a safety or a corner coming up, I have to wait for Cam Newton to decide what he is before I can decide what to do to him. Look, man, just go through him and take the penalty. Because if you take this guy chest up, he can knock you out. He is that big and that fast. DeMarco, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Scott. You I, just, go ahead. I, I guess what I'm really excited to see, guys, is what does it look like when Aaron Donald is chasing him around and when Aaron Donald gets his hands on him. You, you can ragdoll a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, as Aaron Donald has. But to see Aaron Donald go after, get his hands on, and then bring down to the ground Cam Newton, that's one of the things I'm really excited about in this game tomorrow night. 
Actually, uh, one of the uh, highlight plays of well, Aaron's got a ton of highlight <laughs> real plays, but uh, one when he did when the Rams did play Carolina and he sat Cam Newton, I believe, from the first time. Uh, he actually smacked Cam in the helmet. It should have been a 15-yard penalty, but they kind of let it go. This is when uh, when Cam was complaining, like he was taking a lot of unnecessary pops without the coals, uh, because I think it was because of what I just said. But Aaron did drill the guy, so I think Cam Newton will 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 pick on the. The, the wounded fawn in the Serengeti, so to speak, the smaller corners to try to run over. But if 99 is coming at you, just turtle, man. You don't want to make him mad. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, who is more of a defensive year player of the year candidate right now, Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey? It's nice to have both wow. potentially. Yeah. Oh, my God. This, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, I just read, uh, I saw on Twitter that J.J. Watt was advocating for his little brother. Uh, TJ to be defensive player of the year because he's first in everything. Now look, man, when it, when an interior tackle has just as many sacks or pressures or more pressures than anybody on the outside, even if that outside guy has more pressures or sacks, I'm going to go with the interior guy because you're constantly double. It's tougher to get to the quarterback from an interior position than the outside. And most of the time when those doubles come, it's two big linemen. It's 700 pounds of beef hanging on your back and trying to keep you away from the quarterback. On the outside, sometimes it's a tackle in the tight end or a tackle in the back, or sometimes you're scot-free. So if the interior guy is close, I'll go with him. But yeah, I don't think it's close, man. I mean, for the attention that Aaron gets every week, weekend and week out, and the, the entire game plan is designed to keep him out of the backfield and away from your quarterback, and you still can't do it. Now, look, man, um, DK Metcalf, up until he played the Rams, was unstoppable. This guy was a monster. I think he was on pace for 1,800, and then he, he bumped into Jalen Ramsey and cooled him off. I think DeAndre Hopkins, the nuke, down in Arizona, is the best receiver in the game, bar none. I mean, after the catch, before the catch, what have you. Uh, he may not have the blinding speed, but he is just he's a tough out for anybody. He plays well against everybody but Jalen Ramsey. So I don't know how that translates to votes, but, man, I have never seen a quarter, a cornerback shut down that many number one guys back-to-back. I mean, it's like they're not even there. It's amazing what he's done. So uh, it'll be hard, but if I had to, I have to go with 99, no doubt. DeMarco Farr, I'm sorry, go ahead, Scott. I'm with that. I believe the same exact thing. I mean, interior defensive lineman to sack the quarterback and put up the stats that Aaron Donald does. I mean, when you think about Aaron Donald versus a Khalil Mack, a, a premier pass rusher, how Aaron Donald operates and puts up stats from the position that he plays versus being, uh, you know, coming from the edge, it's truly remarkable. It really is. Oh, and, and this is the crazy thing about Aaron. You can line him up on the edge. I think the sack he got on Kyler Murray came at, uh, at, from a defensive end position. He actually rushed over the tackle. So uh, the guy can line up just about anywhere and win, but he's, a, he's primarily a tackle. So I haven't seen anybody better at the position. And I've seen Warren Sapp up close. I've seen John Randall up close. I haven't seen those guys do what this guy can do consistently, time in and time out. DeMarco Farr, Rams on-field analyst. Don't forget the Rams tomorrow, Monday night football against the New England Patriots. Thank you, brother. Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. See you soon. Take care. Uh, All right, coming up next, Scott, you and I. Uh, We'll circle back to the NBA because there is plenty of stuff going on uh, in the NBA. But 
There's also some Anthony Lynn stuff that you and I got to talk about. You posted it today on Cited, uh, uh, the app that you post on, and I want to get into this. Anthony Lynn is taking over something for the Chargers, but is it too late for him? You don't necessarily think so. Let's dive into that. We'll get back into the Lakers and the NBA as well. Sedano and LZ, Scott Kaplan hanging out today. 710 ESPN, back in three. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Sedano and LZ with you here. Scott Kaplan hanging out with us today. Happy to have him aboard. So, Scott, Anthony Lynn is taking over special teams. Uh, the Chargers are eliminated from the playoff picture. Now, the question is, is Anthony Lynn going to be the coach moving forward? A lot of people asking that question. You happen to think that he will be. Why do you think that? So, George, listen, in growing up in the world of sports media prior to the Lakers, wouldn't you say that, that the Miami heat, you, you got to know how that organization worked really, really well, right? I mean, you, you, you were on the inside relationships with Spolstra and, and Pat Riley. I mean, you, you feel like you know how the organization works, right? Right. Okay. I feel like I know how the charger organization works from my many years around them down in San Diego. So here's what I know about this organization. They are not a championship organization, and that's not because they haven't won championships. That's because ownership is not in a passionate pursuit of a championship. That's not how they're built. Would they like to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, it'd be great. But are they doing everything every day in the pursuit of winning a Super Bowl? I would argue that they are not. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to money, you got to understand, Stan Kroenke built that stadium. The Chargers didn't have anything to do with building that stadium. There's no, there's no Charger dollars in that stadium. That's Stan Kroenke Stadium. That's his money, okay? This team will not spend the money to fire somebody and pay them while simultaneously paying someone else to do the job. And while we were on the air just the other day, I received a text message from another NFL executive who happened to be listening, and he said, do you realize that the extension they gave Anthony Lynn is for $7 million? Now, some people have told me, you, you got this wrong. He's got two years remaining at three and a half per year, so he's owed $7 million. I don't care what the number is. They don't want to eat that money they're not liquid wealthy like so many of their colleagues. Money is top priority. It's not like we'll spend anything to win. They're like, no, we don't want to spend that money. We're fine. He's under contract. He stays. I believe that the Chargers will keep Anthony Lynn because of the money they owe him. And I just don't believe that they're going to fire him. And people say, well, how are they going to sell tickets? They're not. They're going to sell them to opponents' fans who come into town. That's who's going to be at those games. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that in in that regard. Um, but you're basically saying you're they're, you're you're saying that just historically they're cheap, so they're not going to fire him because of that. Right. And so when you look back at their history, and you see that they keep coaches for an, a really long time, mm -hmm. you know they they'll keep a coach who's who's 
constantly trending downward. Oh, and by the way, I mean, if you just look a little bit deeper into their history, and I know that nobody knows any of it, so I've got this you know, somewhat unique perspective. When they had a guy like Marty Schottenheimer, who was an all-time great regular season NFL head coach, he got that team and that franchise to 14-2, and two, and you know what they did? They fired him. We don't like 14-2 and two coaches around here. We like 3-13 and 13 coaches around here. Those guys get extensions. You win too much, you get fired. I know it sounds crazy and counterintuitive, and for L.A. sports fans, you expect every team, the Lakers, the Dodgers, and on down the line, you expect every team, the Rams included, to pursue a championship with every move they make. That is not the Charger organization. What do you think? You tell me. Do you? Because because doesn't it seem rather obvious that you can't keep him? I, I couldn't keep him. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, and I love him personally. Like, he is such a great man. I think everybody talks about it that everybody. way, right? Like, everybody everyone talks about how guy. how great a dude he is, and anyone that's heard him understands that on the on this station or wherever, or maybe you've seen it on TV and Hard Knocks or whatever. Um, but. I do think that to play in this market, right? To, if you and they want to matter in this market, right? Like, and I think that um, do they, they want to matter? Do they? I mean, George, just I, I think they. They. I mean, I think you look. You don't make the move here if you don't want to matter, right? Like, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like, maybe I'm. Is am I missing let me, something? Let me. Let me make an argument. You ready? Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So when you are the Rams and you're in St. Louis and you look at the Forbes list of NFL valuations and you're the Rams and you're like 26th in the NFL and then you move to L.A. and you become like the number three most valued team in the NFL behind, call it Dallas and New England. Right. And so the Rams went from 26th in value to call right. it third. And I, I'm not right. pulling up the Forbes list right, right now. But, but in, I'm let's just say easily top five, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now the Chargers, on the other hand, when they were in San Diego, they were maybe 24th in right. terms of valuation. And why is it that when they moved to L.A., they didn't become top five, top 10, top 15 even. They became just barely middle of the road in terms of valuation. So when you say that they want to be relevant, they want to win, they want to be known in L.A., I might argue the opposite, which is they moved, their valuation went up, and if and when the time comes that they can sell, they'll sell for a lot more, call it 30%, 40% more as an L.A. team than they would have if they were a San Diego team. Now, their wealth is tied to their ownership of the organization, so most people don't think they'll ever sell. I happen to think that now that the grandfather has died and when the when the the current patriarch of their family ultimately dies, I think the next generation, which is the generation that moved the team to L.A., I think those folks might say, let's get out of here. What are we doing? Yeah, you're not, I, you're not I, buying what I'm I, selling here. I are mean, you, I, you have the history. You know them way better than I do. So uh, but I just think that. If you make that move to come here, despite your argument, which is a compelling one, you got to be able to be doing stuff where you you want to make an imprint and an impact. And you've got this kid at quarterback. And I know they've had that with Phillip Rivers before. I get that. And even Drew Brees to some extent. But you've got this kid that everyone is marveling at. 
you got to pair him with the right coach. Like, and and I like Anthony Lynn. I just don't know if he's the right guy. He's not the right guy. And here's right. look. Look, here's the thing. We all like Anthony Lynn. He's a very likable guy. But look, is he a great head coach? Thus far, he is not a great head coach. People say, well, what makes a great head coach? Here's what people say about Anthony Lynn. He's a leader of men. Right. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. He he seems like a pretty motivational guy. You know, I'll buy that he's a leader of men. But here's the problem. You've got to be a leader of men, and then you've got to know how to manage a game as a head coach. Right. And time and time again, when a team loses 17-point leads, when a team has a 95% win probability, when a team finds ways to lose leads or lose games in the final seconds or not know how to manage the clock, which is obvious that any Pop Warner coach could manage the clock better, you then you have to answer the, the question realistically, which is he's probably not the right head coach because he's not an Andy Reid or a John Gruden. He doesn't have a history of being a quarterback mentor, etc. So he's probably not the right guy. But I again, I will argue, George, they will keep Anthony Lynn because he's under contract and they don't like to buy out contracts. Okay, I, listen, I trust you. You you know them way better than I do. They'll um, probably prove me wrong now just because they're hearing me on 710 and they're and going... And they're spite you, this, yes. This they're like, that jerk. Kaplan, that he's jerk. been talking smack about us for decades. We need I'll to show him. shut him up finally. I'll show him. Whoa! Wow, Sanaki. There it is. Caller 7 right now. 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3776. If you're Caller 7, you have a chance to pick a stocking from the 710 Fireplace, the Keyshawn Stocking, Greeny, Max, Mason, Ireland, myself, LZ, Cap, uh, or Playoffs Lee One. Win Laker goodies and collectibles. So Caller 7 now, 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3776. All right, we can continue this discussion. We'll open it up to people on the phones at 877-710-ESPN2 if you'd like to chime in on this. Um, and then, of course, I do have some Lakers notes uh, to get to, including uh, some notes on LeBron and AD. We'll do that in a second. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. We've got caller number seven for Santa Key coming down the chimney. Chimney, Louis Ramirez in Inglewood. Yes, Louis, sir. what's up, man? Congrats. Well, oh, man, appreciate it, George. How you doing, Scott? All good, brother. Yo, All Louis, good. what's going on, man? All good. Man, none, none much, man. Just hearing you guys on the radio, like usual. 
Thank you, brother. Appreciate your support right for on. us and the station. So here's the deal. We got a okay. bunch of different stockings on this chimney. We got a Keyshawn stocking, a Greeny stocking, a Max Kellerman stocking, a Mason one, an Ireland one, uh, a one one of mine. You have LZ, Cap, or Playoff Sliwa. Pick a stocking, man. You know what, bro? I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with my man Max. Okay, Max Kellerman. Let's hear it. There you go, man. A hundred dollar gift card Max, in the Max awesome. stocking. Brad, that's awesome. I appreciate that, George. All right, brother. Well, stay safe, okay, and happy holidays, and congrats, and thank you again for all your support. Yeah, you guys do the same. Go Lakers, baby. All right, man. Be good. There he is. What would you do with a $100 gift card? What would you get? I mean, you know, um, I mean, you got a, a Laker gear, right? So um, I, would, I would get a shirt and a hat, you know what I'm saying? Like probably that combo. Because a jersey, it, you definitely can't get an authentic one, although you can go a long way to getting an authentic one. Um, you know, unless you get a replica jersey, you know, maybe you could squeeze all that in there. I'd like to rock a LeBron jersey. I don't rock jerseys at all, ever, never. Don't have any. Mm -hmm. But if I was going to take one, I love what LeBron did on this podcast. I really do. This, this road trip and podcast and I call it a podcast but it's like a studio TV show but mm -hmm. yet on the other hand I can get it on Apple Podcasts so that's kind of cool and I watched it on YouTube so um, but I just thought he looked cool I thought he looked fun happy loose the booze certainly seemed to help I liked the way he was talking so yeah I think uh, I think I'd work something LeBron here with that $100 gift card yeah, for sure. You get a bronze jersey, a replica, or an AD. Um, because you know those two guys are going to be around for a while. Because that's the thing. you yeah, got to get somebody who's going to be I here for I'd a minute. I think I'd want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think, George? What did you think the other day when you heard all of the LeBron audio of, of what he had to say about Kyrie Irving? Like, my first thought, because I read it. I didn't hear it. I read it, and I thought, man, is LeBron really this thin skin that he'd let this guy get to him because LeBron is an iconic international sporting and even political iconic figure. Right. And Kyrie Irving is a basketball player. Yeah. That's it. Basketball player. So yeah, but, why but would I, LeBron ever care what he had to say? Um, I would say... I would say it's different, right? Like, they played together for three years. And when you, you know, look, okay. it's no different than, you know, you've had radio partners, right? Um, let's say you had some breakup with your radio partner. And, you know, you worked with him for many years. And it, you know, it, it didn't end pretty, right? For one reason or another. And he'd be saying stuff about you. You know, you'd, you'd have one of two reactions. You'd either be hurt or you'd be hot and bothered by it, right? Yeah, I guess, but but if I were LeBron and and he were Kyrie, I'd be like, man, you can say whatever you want. I actually thought what was super interesting was the way LeBron kind of talked about it. He's like, hey, look, I had my people get me the transcript, and then when I read the transcript, I was like, damn. I was like, whoa, cool, man. People, transcripts, read it, see what it all had to say. But I just I feel like LeBron handled this thing so well because in oh, yeah. the final analysis to me, it seems like what LeBron did was say, oh, really? You're trying to get into my head during the finals? Well, you know, I'm just going to tell everybody the fact is we won a championship and we couldn't get you to be 
who we needed you to be because you're a bad teammate and a selfish guy. And I just think he made Kyrie not just look that way, just confirm what most people probably think about him already. Yeah, for sure. I, I do think that, that you know, I think LeBron taking the high road is 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 interesting in this regard. Number one, it, it totally is on brand with what LeBron does, generally speaking. And number two, it's also kind of a way of him sunning him again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like LeBron, I'll never forget, LeBron has referred to Kyrie as a kid a lot. He did it while he was in Cleveland. He did it, uh, you know, even recently, right? He would talk about, oh, this kid, you know, when I was with that kid or whatever. And I think that stuff really, really bugs Kyrie when he refers to him as the kid. Mm. So LeBron, while taking the high road, still kind of sunned him a little bit. Big so time. he kind of gets the best of both worlds Big in that time. regard. Big yeah. time. I, I totally agree. And I don't know what Kyrie's problem is. Like, dude, do you not know who you are? Right. versus who he is yeah and, and i know that you were a number one pick and you so badly want to believe that you're do what he's got and you're not dude you're not and listen that's one of the things i will i will say about dwight howard this past year you got to give the guy credit for accepting his role because it's changed so much sure guy, it just makes Kyrie look like a, a a teammate that you can't play with Right. And that's what I thought LeBron said. I won two championships that are the hardest championships ever, the bubble and 16. And he talked about, you know, what Golden State was that year and and they were down 3-1. But how about also, I got a fight internally. I got a, I got an internal war going on in my locker room and we still won the championship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Like that literally was it. They were, they rarely saw eye to eye. I think, I, did we talk about this with you yesterday where I told you that I knew people that covered that first year in Cleveland and that there were guys on the team that didn't have Kyrie's number for months. Oh man, you remember back in the day when I, I remember Barry Bonds got this massive contract and there was all this talk about what Barry Bonds wanted in the locker room. Like he wanted a different chair than everybody yeah. else on the team. Yeah. You know, or or even think back to Michael Jordan. Not everybody on the team had a chance to like have a social relationship with Michael Jordan. I don't know why Kyrie Irving is like this. I don't know if he thinks it's cool to be eccentric. I just don't get why he thinks he is who he's not. If that made any sense at all. Yeah, yeah. He he he's not on the same level as LeBron. He's got to live with that. You got to deal with that. But he doesn't believe that. In his mind, it's ridiculous that that's not the case. Well, in his mind, it's ridiculous that he doesn't understand that that is the case. Yeah. I'm with you. It seems crazy on the outside looking in, <laughs> right? It seems so obvious. And that's fine because there's a natural pecking order to life in general, right? But, but like, it also goes to show you, in my opinion, George, and you're so much closer to it, so I'm an outside observer looking in, but... I think it goes to show you what a great teammate a guy like Anthony Davis is. 100%. And by the way, Dwayne Wade, remember? Dwayne Wade, LeBron came to Dwayne Wade's team, and after, like, you know, Le Dwayne Wade would push LeBron in ways that no one else has before or since. Um, but I think because there was a mutual respect and the, you know, they were peers. Um, but Dwayne was the one that told him, dude, we're not going to win championships unless you go be the man. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot of guys that are willing to do that. So you're right. Anthony Davis and Dwayne Wade will all forever be his uh, best teammates. So, all right, we are yeah, done here, Scott. The, just 
Yeah, I just want to say, last thing, George, what I also thought was him saying that, hey, I wanted him to be MVP. I wanted to help him right. with yeah. you know off-the-floor business matters. I mean, what a way to smack that guy around. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, brother, thank you so much. You were awesome tonight. Oh, my God, dude. You make things so easy. Um, I love the fact that I get to work with you, man. This has been an incredible year. And uh, while you take some time off, I will definitely be filling in with LZ. And I can't believe it, man. Tomorrow's the Rams game. Then Friday's the Lakers tip-off of the preseason. And I won't get back onto the air until next week when I'll be filling in for you. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun times here over the next couple of weeks. So enjoy it. Uh, all right, we are done here. Laura's telling us she's giving us the vaudevillian cane. Thanks to Laura. Thanks to Adam. Obviously, Scott, you're the best. Uh, thanks to uh, Keyshawn, Dave McBinneman, and DeMarco. We will talk to you on Friday at 4. See ya.